everybody has a good looking pro forma right now. And always, nobody's going to show you a pro forma performance where you're losing money. So I think you have to use a little bit of logic and then also talking with and, and learning from people who have more experience and just say, you know, build a relationship with someone who has a lot of experience and no financial interest in a particular asset. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Are you ready to start investing in real estate today, but don't know where to start? Sometimes investing can seem way too complicated, but it actually couldn't be any easier than with HomeInvest.com. You know the co-founder and my friend, Nate Armstrong. He appeared on episode 20, and if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it, episode number 20. Home Invest is a company that allows you to invest in turnkey real estate. Their goal is to build powerful investment tools that make real estate investing accessible to everyone. They have contractors and property managers available for you with the click of your mouse. While other real estate agents can only offer a property, Home Invest brings you a full turnkey package that allows you to diversify your investments, earn passive income, and start building equity in properties. Their simple, intuitive design allows newcomers and experienced investors alike to hit the ground running and to be able to choose the properties when they want and where they want. View easy-to-understand charts and data to allow you to buy in only a few clicks or just a simple phone call. With Home Invest, you'll be building your portfolio as quickly or as slowly as you would like. And right now, Home Invest is giving our listeners, Pillar of Wealth Creation listeners, a free course on how to finally win in real estate investing. So go to homeinvest.com forward slash pillars. That's homeinvest.com forward slash pillars to claim your free course today. Hey, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me is Taylor Lote. And uh, Taylor is a high-level real estate investor, successful businessman. He's from Richmond, Virginia. And with that, I'll let uh, Taylor, I'll let you tell our listeners a little bit more about your background, what you've got going on um, right now. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Todd. Uh, that's a, a great intro. I appreciate that. I am a multifamily real estate investor. My background is in engineering and sales. Um, got my bachelor's degree a number of years ago. I'm getting older as we speak. And uh, I host a meetup here in Richmond, Virginia, where I live for multifamily real estate investors as we speak. Uh, October's meeting was last night and it was a, it was a great hit. And that's been uh, an interesting learning process hosting that. And I also host a podcast passive wealth strategies for busy professionals, which uh, I'd love to have you on. And I'd certainly appreciate if everyone wanted to check out. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and you are a busy professional cause you still have a, you still have a, a a regular job. Uh, so tell me, how are you kind of working your regular job and doing the real estate, the multifamily, uh, the podcast and the meetup? Uh, what are you doing to make that all happen and still remain sane? 
<laughs> That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> you know, you and I, the listeners may or may not know that uh, you and I have both done coaching with Trevor McGregor. And uh, I'm sure they don't know that about me. But I would say balancing all of these irons that I have in the fire, uh, first, it starts with psychology. It starts with knowing that you can do it and developing the mental models and the processes to just keep plugging away and keep gunning for success. And that's something that I learned from Trevor. And I would say I was, I, I was honestly very skeptical of that. I'm a skeptical guy, skeptical person. Uh, but then once I started learning from him about how to approach all of these things mentally, it became a lot easier to have long days. So just to give examples, and I would say I also have the benefit. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. So that helps quite a bit um, as well. But, you know, the, the mentality is number one and then setting up systems. So I have virtual assistants that work for me and then uh, just long days on my own, you know, waking up early. I also uh, I'm really passionate. I didn't say before, I'm very passionate about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's my fitness habit and hobby and I'd highly recommend everyone go check it out but the benefit there is it's it's very meditative it's a good fitness hobby as well and it really helps get me in the mindset of okay I'm going to go conquer the world when you get up early in the morning and go to a 6 a.m. jiu-jitsu class and work really hard right away you're just ready to tackle the day and most people haven't even woken up yet and you've already been training for an hour doing jujitsu. So I'd say, you know, to really sum it up, it's the psychology of success and being able to just keep plugging away is number one. And then the mechanics of it are hiring people to work for you and then just putting in the time, honestly, and, and, and learning from others. So this is a this is a selfish question because I've got a, a few people who work for me. I've got some assistants. Uh, I've got others that you know, uh, kind of either I partner with or help me out. But I've never hired a VA. How do you find a VA that you can trust um, and then give this work when they're they're not right there next to you? Yeah, that's a great question. And and again, going back to learning from others. This is a skill that I started learning, and I honestly am still learning it because I think it's a continuous learning process. But I started learning this from first Vinny Chopra, who the listeners might be aware of, multifamily investor, interviewed him on my podcast, and he taught me about this. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this guy's he's about to have half a billion dollars in assets under management, and he still personally hires VAs for between four to $10 an hour to complete his tasks. And then I learned this from Dan Hanford as well, who the listeners may know. It's just, it's a matter of experimenting and at least initially turning everything into a system that can be executed by anyone. So just to give an example, um, so I mentioned I have a podcast, Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. And I have a VA that helps me book those guests and con stay in contact with them, pay him $4 an hour. And he's worth every stinking penny, <clears throat> excuse me, every stinking penny. 
he gets done in two hours. Honestly, what I get done in an entire weekend sending these emails because I am not good at sitting down and just doing a rote task over and over again. So I turn this into a system where I provide him a list of names, which I've gotten from, from somewhere. I have a, a number of sources, which are pretty easy to find. He tracks them down. VAs can be very good at finding email addresses, contact information, and then he sends them a form email that he adds a little bit of information to, not much, and just moves on to the next one. He logs what he's doing and keeps going. So that has saved me days and days and days and days and days of time for four dollars an hour. And he lives in Pakistan. It's it's a it it feels good too to to work with someone from the other side of the uh, other side of the world. Um, so to to really sum it up, it's especially with simple tasks, turn it into a system, record it on your computer using Screencast-O-Matic. There's a number of, of programs you can use to just record the feed on your computer. And then you can turn it into bullet points and just try them out, honestly. Once you turn it into that, uh, this, this is something I learned from Dan Hanford, is just give it a shot. Hire, put out a post on Upwork.com, for example, describe the task, provide the video, and hire three or four of them. And depending on what the task, maybe it's writing a blog for 20 bucks. So three or four of them, 60 to $80 plus a minor fee from Upwork. And you're going to get four blogs. Some of them are going to stink. Most of them are going to stink. But you might find that one gem. And that person is going to save you a ton of time. Because if they're, say, writing a blog for your podcast, well, to me, for, for me personally, I don't want to sit and listen to my voice over and over and over and over again and write a blog. Whereas if I hire someone to do it and it's going to take them, it's going to take me hours to do it too, because I'm just not effective doing that particular task. If I hire someone for $20 and they can do a task for in any amount of time, and I don't care how long it takes them, but a task that would take me two to three hours for 20 bucks that's a fantastic deal. And I think everyone out there who's trying to be more effective should really just give it a shot is, is the main answer. Come up with a super simple system, low investment, and just give it a shot. And you're going to learn things throughout the way. I mean, I, I'm continually learning things about working with my VAs. I think setting expectations is very important. You're going to find corner cutters. Honestly, we all cut corners. We're all guilty of it, including me. And the VAs are no different. And it has that extra step of removal because they're paying them $4 an hour. I mean, honestly, it's not a lot of money or eight bucks an hour or something like that. They don't know you and they just want the money. And that's fine. I understand that. But I just encourage you to think of a task, systematize it, and then give it a go. And that's how you're going to learn to do it. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds extremely useful. I mean, you just gave you know, a couple examples on, on the podcast and, and, you know, writing a blog you know, based on, based on a podcast or whatever it is. Uh, those are really easy things for you to hand off and save a lot of time because every little thing, you know, I'm, right now I'm making uh, kind of a, a, actually just doing it, uh, making a list of, you know, how many, what, what would my 
week look like? What are the certain things? Because I've got several businesses and how many hours do I want to spend on it? And as I go through this, I'm like, wow, if I want to step up and spend a couple more hours, I'm going to all of a sudden be working, you know, 80 hours, a hundred hours a week pretty easily. And it's just not possible. So you've got to find the systems like you said to, in order to do it. I think as a busy professional, like you are, uh, that's, that's very, that's vitally important if you want to do anything other than your job. Absolutely. And, and I would say the one that really, it was a, it was a switch that flipped in my mind, honestly, when I first hired the first VA to send emails to people. And I had done this, this process, like I said, for literally full weekends, all I would do, I would wake up, of course, I do jujitsu class, and then I come back to my home office, and just work sending these emails all weekend. And I hired Usman, his name's Usman, for two hours, I just turned it into a system, hired him for two hours for $4 an hour. And I was blown away. Like I said, he got more done in two hours than I got done in the entire weekend. And you know, that, that might be a comment on my level of focus and work ethic, but it really, the, the important thing is to me was seeing that it's possible and I can multiply the number of hours I have in a day just by devoting even a small amount of resources to outsourcing many of these tasks that are just cookie cutter, churn and burn. Well, and, and Taylor too, if you're not passionate about it, uh, it probably doesn't, it's difficult to focus on something that you have, you know, very little interest in doing. And if you just don't want to send all these emails out, um, you know, you're not going to focus. It's not first on your list. Absolutely. I mean, it's easy. I'm, I'm, I'm very into uh, meditation as well. And it's given me more of an insight into how so easily distracted I am personally. I can't say that about everyone, but I am a distraction machine. So if I can make things easier on myself and especially those cookie cutter tasks, hand them off to someone else where I'm very prone, like I said, to distraction and getting derailed. Whereas if I hire someone else, now I don't have that risk. He's going to handle it. And I can focus on higher value tasks, say, for example, hiring more VAs to like write my blogs or, you know, anything, go live my life. You know, I, I think that's underrated too. We don't need to just hire VAs so that we can always increase our productivity necessarily and just keep working on our business. I mean, there's a, I think a case to be made to going outside and, you know, being in the sun while it's nice out or, or something like that, enjoying your life. I think that's highly valuable. Yeah. There was a podcast I was listening to recently. Um, it was EO on EO fire, uh, with John Lee Dumas and they were, I think that was who it was. And they were talking about, uh, you know, the lack of being in the sun, like so many people just sit in their offices all day and they, they like never go outside and they, they get this vitamin D deficiency and it's actually how, how much the sun does good for your body. So you just saying that kind of reminded me about that. And it's so easy to get caught up though. And, and working all these hours where we don't focus on 
you know, getting up at 6 a.m., doing the jujitsu and, and uh, going outside and enjoying ourselves and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, good, good stuff. Um, I want to go back now. You, you mentioned you're a multifamily guy. What, for, first, why, why uh, did you decide to do something beyond your just regular nine to five? Um, and explain, I guess first, yeah, first let's just say why, why, why did you decide you're going to do something beyond the nine to five? That's a great question. I think it's very important. And going back to, you know, both of us having worked with Trevor, the why is so important. So just to give folks a little bit more information about me, as we speak, I'm, I'm 29 years old and I went to university of Delaware. So as I was Going to university, I graduated high school in 2007. I mean, we were headed right into the, we were in the thick of the economic crisis at that time. And my parents are both W-2 earners. I don't come from a background of investors. And that's not a good thing, not a bad thing. It just is what it is. And through college, I'm very fortunate. My, my parents paid for me to go to college and, you know, I graduated in, from a good program to you know, make sure to take advantage of that. But through college, I watched my parents struggle to spend enough hours at their work just so they could keep their jobs. My dad was working probably literally north of 100 hours a week. And the company that he worked at, I won't say the name, the prominent insurer, they had their employees of groups typically six to 10. And then for every period of time, it was either a quarter or a half every year, they would rank the little you know, the teams of employees and fire the bottom one and just mm-hmm. bring somebody new in. They look at their employees as disposable. And the wow. inf- impact that it had on me was realizing that I need multiple streams of income. I need to be re- ready to retire when I want to. And then furthermore, you know, they're going to, they're in their fifties, so they've got many years ahead of them, but someday I'm going to be in my forties and fifties and I'm, I'm in a way I'm looking forward to the responsibility of taking care of them, but I know I need to be financially prepared and compound interest is a wonderful thing. So I figure I get started early in my, you know, early to mid twenties and make the right moves. And I will be more than ready early enough to take care of them when I do have children, take care of them. So, you know, definitely I've, I've thought a lot about why I do what I do. Yeah. I think that's really important too. And I think actually that's maybe a blessing um, for a lot of people that are your age uh, is they were kind of, they watched this struggle uh, during a, a very difficult time for a lot of families. Um, they either watched their parents struggle or they watched some their friends' parents struggle. They watched aunts and uncles, whatever. They, they watched people they know struggle through that time. And I feel like right now, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, investing in real estate and, 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 you know, investing overall is at least from what I can see and, and hear uh, there's a lot more younger people doing it than, than it seems like ever was before. When I look at the real estate industry, I look at, I see it 
as uh, a couple generations uh, that are just completely almost missed. It seems like a lot of people that are between 25 and 35 invest and, and then the rest of them are 65 to, you know, 85 right now. And it seems like anybody, everybody in between just like they didn't invest. And I don't, I don't know exactly why maybe times were just good for too long. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was great that you were able to look at that and really think about it. Too many people also don't make that decision or don't, you know, move forward. They, they just pray and hope it doesn't happen to them, uh, which isn't really an answer. Um, Take us through that first deal. What was it? What was your first deal? Um, you know, and uh, what are you doing right now? So yeah, my first deal was actually as a limited partner. Uh, that's how I got started. I spent a few years, uh, not years, probably months, uh, looking at single families in my area, touring them, making offers, and to me, the numbers just didn't make sense. I, I pretty quick quickly realized that I'm going to be in my 60s until I've accumulated enough properties to replace my income or to retire on. I met a number of flippers going to local RIAs and everything and just realized that's not for me. I, Through family, we knew a few flippers that busted out during the recession. And once I learned more about the debt structure there, I decided that's that's just not for me. It's too short term and I don't see any wealth creation there. Flipping to me seems like just a job. And after meeting many flippers, that's definitely true. So, okay, so what did I do from there? I decided I don't want to do multifamily. It's going to take too long. I don't want to flip. I don't want to wholesale because the whole no money down, you know, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't appeal to me. I, I think you never get something for nothing. And wholesaling is definitely not something for nothing, but it, it's just a way to, to me, it seemed like a way to generate some cash flow, but it's really just another job. You're not building pipelines. You're still carrying buckets uh, to, to borrow Robert Kiyosaki's analogy. So I spent uh, spent time going to apartment and syndication conferences, uh, real estate guys, obviously, you know, I've been to, to Joe Fairless's a few times. And as a non-accredited brand new investor, becoming an LP in a deal is not exactly easy because you need to find the syndicators. If you're looking for a good syndicator, they're going to be pretty scrupulous about whose money they take, whose non-accredited money they take, especially. They're going to be pretty careful about that. So developing relationships with syndicators, learning more about how to analyze deals, specifically uh, by working with Joe Fairless, and I, and I still am. Uh, got that deal flow going and eventually found some properties I wanted to invest in as an LP. Uh, as we speak, we're finally getting ready to exit some of those. And that's, that's been an interesting, uh, lesson learned, but it was a total, total of 454 units in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, we're going to make a nice return on those. And, and fortunately, like I said, through my upbringing, I was always taught to be frugal and save money. And I, I think that's a, a good lesson to learn, especially when you're dependent on a paycheck. So I had 
plenty of money saved to invest. And I had been putting money in uh, self-directed IRA and invested that way. So that was the first deal I invested in. And then fast forward to today, I'm talking with brokers. I'm currently uh, GPing a deal in Texas. I'm in the middle of it at the moment. It's a 506B, so I can't talk about it too specifically. But that's been... It's been a very interesting uh, process, and and like I said, I, I built my meetup here in Richmond, and I host a podcast. So both of those have been very integral in first the meetup, building a base of potential investors to talk to about this deal, and and additionally talking to friends and family just about what I'm doing and what I'm investing in, and then hosting the podcast. It's a for for those out there. It's a great opportunity to have long form, in depth conversations with almost anybody you want. Honestly, most uh, power players, especially in real estate, but most people in in any industry, they're out there. They're they're selling themselves, especially if they they're entrepreneurial. They started their own business. They're happy to have a half an hour, half an hour to an hour long conversation with you on a microphone, and it's a great way to build a relationship uh, with a number of uh, accomplished, in my case, apartment syndicators. So that's how my involvement with this particular deal uh, came about was developing relationships with one particular uh, well-accomplished apartment syndicator uh, by first getting to know him through my podcast and then just keeping in touch over time. Cool. What you mentioned lessons learned uh, on that syndication. What are some, what are some lessons learned that if, if, if I have listeners that are maybe thinking of, uh, I mean, this could, this could apply to anybody thinking of, of they want to become uh, that sponsor or uh, they want to invest as an LP uh, what are some lessons that, that learned that maybe you can pass on? Yeah. So as an LP, so I can't be too specific, yeah, but the, yeah. uh, it's, it's alleged that the f- initial property manager embezzled a substantial amount of money from us. And that was discovered after the, we had owned the properties for a few months uh, and ultimately, you know, that impacted the cash flow, uh, seriously impacted the performance of the property. And the lesson that I learned as someone going from being an LP to now getting on the GP side was how to communicate problems like this to investors. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I learned this through a bad example. We were, in my opinion, we were not communicated with well. Uh, We were given very lax details and the communication was not proactive. Whenever there was some development or there was an expected development, say maybe two months, we expect to have some update on this situation. So great, I set something in my calendar, follow up and make sure you know, I get information in two months. So two months comes by crickets, don't hear anything. So I sent him an email Well, you know, there was an update. We just weren't proactively informed about the update. So me, you know, as an LP, 
I have a pretty iron stomach for frothiness and poor performance of, of an investment. I'm pretty patient and something like this, I, I, I can handle. It's not that big of a deal. We didn't lose the asset. So life's going to go on. Everybody's still going to make money. It was, there was just a, a hiccup, but it would have helped me have a better feeling that the properties are being given the an appropriate amount of attention and this matter is being taken seriously and it would help me be more comfortable that we're not at risk of losing the asset or you know if we got a new property manager that the new property manager is doing well so it's all those combinations of my experience as an LP through some rough waters and how it was handled by the GP not living up to my expectations as an LP. So as I get into the GP side, I want to make sure to learn from that example and communicate proactively and effectively good and bad things. Bad things, much more important to communicate proactively. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's definitely important. If you're not communicating with your investors, they're going to be confused. They're going to be worried about where their money's going and what's happening. Um, so if you're not able to send that communication at least as frequently as you had, you had promised, uh, there's going to be a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration. How often did they, obviously without going into who they are, but how often did they say they were going to communicate versus how often uh, would you have liked them to communicate? At the front, we were told we would see, re, we would receive monthly communications as far as the financials go. And historically, I would say we probably did receive it about that frequently. There might've been a couple months there where, you know, things were kind of in a rough patch where it slowed down a little bit. Um, but in that case, it's, it's a matter of the quality of communication and what's actually included. Because if there are particular um, events going on and that monthly communication doesn't include any information clearly laid out or specifically related to some of the headaches going on, well, then that obviously doesn't count toward a communication about the headaches that are going on, even though we re- receive the financials, uh, if that makes sense. So sure. say the, the frequency was held up, but I, I consider it that it wasn't held up because critical information was missing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they, they, they communicated with you, but they just didn't communicate essentially properly. They, could, they needed to add a lot more detail um, and diligence to their communication so that you guys would understand really what's going on with the property, likely why you're not receiving distributions or maybe as heavy of distributions as what you otherwise would have expected. Um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I want to interrupt this episode real quick to talk to you about Nate Armstrong. Uh, our sponsor, Nate Armstrong, he's with homeinvest.com and you want to get to know Nate. So go to homeinvest.com and just connect with Nate. Talk to him. Learn about his operation, what he's got going on. He's a turnkey provider and it may not be right for you, but it could be the perfect fit. So 
it doesn't hurt. It's a free call, free consultation just to figure out, you know, what they do, what they have to offer. And worst case is you're going to meet a great person who's really well educated in real estate. He's done a ton of different real estate strategies and probably is going to teach you a little bit, even on a short conversation uh, with him. So go to homeinvest.com and, and uh, connect with Nate's company. You're definitely not going to be disappointed. It's worth it. So uh, thanks. And we'll get back to our show. And now you're raising currently for a deal. Uh, multifamily, you said in Texas. Uh, why Texas? And, uh, and then why did you decide to go with larger multifamily in, and do the syndication? Yeah, so it's a great question. I mean, Texas, obviously, it's a it's a growing state and most of the markets are exploding. It's very business friendly. It's good to landlords. Um, so, you know, all the positive things about Texas, uh, personally, I'm, I think Dallas is fine. I'm just not interested in Dallas because I think from my perspective, there's just too much attention in Dallas right now. But, um, you know, it's just, this is my opinion. Um, as far as larger multifamily versus smaller multifamily goes, I mean, after it's a, it's a combination of studying the performance of these assets and really just getting to know and talking with people who have a lot more experience in this than I do. And uh, some of them have been through a few market cycles and talking with them about the various advantages and disadvantages of buying, say, a, a 30-unit multifamily versus 100 versus 200-plus units. And what do you get out of all of those kind of unit ranges? So the reason I like much larger is the economies of scale can obviously pay for property management. And in, from my perspective, as you get into 200 units plus, you get a lot more pull potentially with property managers. So I'll see deals from syndicators that I know personally that might be, they might be syndicating a, a 50 unit property in uh, some particular, you know, secondary or tertiary market. And the numbers, you know, might look fine, but anybody can make numbers look fine on a pro forma. Kind of the, the soft facts about the property are, okay, Nobody, none of the GPs live in this market or even within a three hour flight of the market. So they're not probably not going to go there that much. None of the GPs own any other property in this market. So they don't have as much pull or command with the property manager as they might if they had already owned properties in the market. So when I'm looking at deals, if I see that 50 unit, nobody owns anything in the area and nobody lives close to it. So they're not going to be just dropping in and, you know, maybe secret shopping it and finding out how the, the management is performing. That just kind of, it concerns me from a risk standpoint that, okay, how motivated will this particular property manager be to perform up to expectations? Number one, how well will the GPs be able to ensure that that's happening? Because at a 50 unit property, there's, there probably isn't a whole lot of cash flow to, 
pay to fly a GP there every month or two. So they're probably not really going to visit the property that much. And if it's in a smaller market, how many options for property managers do we really have? And that gets back to the problem of how motivated will, say if we have to replace the original property manager, how motivated will the new property manager be to be any better? So in my mind, that makes say if 100 units down a lot weaker and i think once you start getting into 200 units plus you get a lot more attention with from the property manager and then uh with the other you know gps like i said i i think about does the gp own any other property in the area do they have other properties under management by the property management company or the the property management company that's uh, planned. So it was kind of all of those, all of those things, uh, related to the property, because again, everybody has a good looking pro forma right now. And always, nobody's going to show you a pro forma performance where you're losing money. So I think you have to use a little bit of logic and then also talking with and, and learning from people who have more experience and just say, you know, build a relationship with someone who has a lot of experience and no financial interest in a particular asset either way. And, you know, just call them and ask them if, if you have a good relationship with them. Hey, what are your thoughts about this deal? I'm thinking about, you know, maybe being a GP on it, or I'm thinking about investing passively. What do you think? You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold you to your opinion either way, but uh, would you invest in this? And sometimes yes, sometimes no. But uh, I think the underlying reasons why are the most important information there. Sure. Um, what's a big mistake that you've made and how did you learn from it? Big mistake that I made, definitely not doing things faster. Uh, starting my podcast, you know, like I said, uh, working with Joe Fairless, um, you know, he encourages us to build thought leadership platforms. And this is not a secret. He's, he's very much on the record with this, but build thought leadership platforms, build meetups in our area. And I just waited way too long to pull the trigger on it. Uh, both the podcast and the meetup um, should have done it a year, two years before I did it. But uh, so either didn't have the idea or still going back to, you know, what we've both learned from Trevor that the having limiting beliefs about say with the podcast, how am I going to get guests or how am I going to come up with content or, you know, is anybody going to want to listen? Just have to give it a shot. If you have quality content, people will want to listen. People will want to be on it. And uh, with the meetup, it's a hustle. It's a lot of work, but if you build it, if you build a quality meetup and you market it well, people will come. So just, taking action, honestly. Yeah. And, and it, that, that's, a, that was my question is why is anybody going to want to listen to me? There's all these other podcasts out there. They've been out there forever. Why, why do people want to listen to me? And that is a, a valid question. Um, but like you said, if you produce good content, people will listen. You might not become, you know, the, a bigger pockets or a, a podcast that gets, you know, hundreds of thousands of listeners, but you get your own uh, small amount of listeners and uh, providing quality content. And like you said, you're, you're, you're becoming a thought leader in the industry, uh, which provides a lot of credibility. 
Absolutely. And, you know, the bigger pockets guys were not the bigger pockets guys of today when they got started. They were small ones too. And you're also not going to become the next bigger pockets guy if you never try. So just, just giving it a shot, learn something along the way. You know, if, you know, I don't, I, it's, it's who's ever brand change your, change your format. If you want, change your idea, pivot a little bit, you know, experiment with it, but not taking action is, is the biggest problem really. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean you need to have a podcast uh, or a, you know, or a YouTube channel or a blog, but you have to figure out what works for you. Um, how are you going to get your content, your information, your ideas out there? And then, you know, and then stick with that and, and go uh, with it. I think there's a lot of people that are doing it different ways that are very successful. There's some successful, extremely successful bloggers that are, are doing really well and, and podcasters and YouTube guys and gals. And, and so, yeah, just, just pick your medium, decide what works for you and, and go with it. Yeah. And if you, if you're interested in starting a podcast, just to keep on that, but you hate hearing your voice you get used to it, honestly. <laughs> um, so what are your goals moving forward? Where do you see yourself in, let's call it, you know, five years? Five years. So I, again, I, I keep going back to Trevor, but uh, developing, uh, working with him, I developed a, a daily uh, affirmations and incantations and, and plans and everything and a routine related to goal setting. So one of my goals five years that I say to myself every morning is to take my parents on a vacation to Europe because they'd never been paid for out of the cash flows from my real estate investing business. I've been out of the country a ton of times. They never have. And I think it would be a fun thing to do and, and something to that would mean a lot to me to give to them. That's awesome. Love it. Um, what's a favorite book uh, that you're that you've either read within the last uh, you know year or so, or that you're reading right now? So a big one for me, most recently. I mean, the the year the year criteria is important because otherwise, I would have said Rich Dad Poor Dad or the E Myth. But uh, I'm sure you've gotten that answer a thousand times. Uh, <laughs> most recently. Definitely miracle morning. I am not a morning person, quote unquote. I I love to sleep in as much as I want, and but really taking the steps that Hal recommends in the book to improve your mornings and uh, just really take control of them, win the morning, win the day, all that. That's been very helpful. It's a process. It's 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 no pun intended, but it's not overnight that you become a morning person. Uh, but I think that book really shifted my mentality about the meaning behind getting up early, really kicking butt in even the first 15 minutes of the morning and what that means for your mental state and your performance throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. Like what, more, what does morning really mean? Can, can I just sleep until uh, seven a.m.? And is, is that is that morning or? <laughs> uh, um, 
last question before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Long-term vision, cash flow, and leverage. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Straight out of any real estate investing books, but honestly, I think that hit a lot of people in the most recent recession, uh, not a, not having cash flow, uh, not having leverage, obviously kills your return. Leverage is a great way to increase your return. And then, uh, yeah, that long-term vision. I mean, I'm in it for the long run here. I, I don't need to get rich tomorrow. And in my opinion, that frees you up to experiment a little bit more, try new things and learn a lot along the way. Yeah. And at the same time, leverage, uh, you know, not having leverage hurts and, and over leveraging can also hurt. Absolutely. Well. I think a few people learned that lesson too. <laughs> uh, last, very last question. How do our listeners get in touch with you? How do they find your podcast? Yeah, that's a, I love that question. Uh, the podcast is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, which you can find on YouTube, or not YouTube, uh, iTunes, Google Play, wherever your fine podcasts are sold. We're launching that in November, so really excited about that. And uh, you can get in touch with me through that. Just go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com and fill out the contact us form. Uh, email address is taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at PassiveWealthStrategy.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Taylor, appreciate you being on the show, taking time out of your day. And uh, we'll chat with you soon, my friend. I appreciate it. Take care. A special thanks to Taylor uh, for joining us on the show. Appreciate him taking time out of his day and give us a ton of value. So again, thanks a lot for uh, him joining us. And a couple of things I took from the episode. First of all, he talks about uh, two things that kind of relate to each other, setting up systems and also using leverage. And he talks particularly about uh, using VAs and how to hire them and, and really gave us some good ideas on how do we use those VAs to, again, help us with our systems and help us with our leverage. Uh, the other thing he talked about, which I think was great, was long-term vision. It's so easy to uh, get caught up on the day-to-day. -day. Sometimes we forget our long-term vision, what we really are striving for. And I heard it said the other day, I think it's so true, oftentimes we overestimate what we can do in a short period of time, but we underestimate uh, what we can do in a long period of time. So again, uh, long-term vision, setting up systems, and leverage. Uh, great, uh, great stuff from, from Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Um, for those of you who are our listeners, and I'd love to have you subscribe if you haven't already. Go on to iTunes or wherever you're listening, subscribe. And then give us a rating review if you haven't done so. If you have done so, really appreciate that. It just helps us grow our show and, uh, and, and continue to, you know, get good, strong uh, people to, of, of these great interviews uh, with guests like Taylor. So um, those reviews are helpful. Then also go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth Facebook page, and give us some comments. Let us know what we can do to 
um, to give you more value. If you have any certain questions you want us to answer, if you have certain guests that you want us to try to highlight and bring on the show. Uh, so anything, any comments that you want to make to us, any communication you want to make, go right there to uh, Pillars of Wealth on Facebook, and that would be uh, fantastic as well. I am Todd Dexermer, signing out. Make every day a Saturday. Are you ready to start investing in real estate today, but don't know where to start? Sometimes investing can seem way too complicated, but it actually couldn't be any easier than with HomeInvest.com. You know the co-founder and my friend, Nate Armstrong. He appeared on episode 20, and if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it, episode number 20. Home Invest is a company that allows you to invest in turnkey real estate. Their goal is to build powerful investment tools that make real estate investing accessible to everyone. They have contractors and property managers available for you with the click of your mouse. While other real estate agents can only offer a property, Home Invest brings you a full turnkey package that allows you to diversify your investments, earn passive income and start building equity in properties. Their simple, intuitive design allows newcomers and experienced investors alike to hit the ground running and to be able to choose the properties when they want and where they want. View easy to understand charts and data to allow you to buy in only a few clicks or just a simple phone call. With Home Invest, you'll be building your portfolio as quickly or as slowly as you would like. And right now, Home Invest is giving our listeners, Pillar of Wealth Creation listeners, a free course on how to finally win in real estate investing. So go to homeinvest.com forward slash pillars. That's homeinvest.com forward slash pillars to claim your free course today.